1971 in Roslyn on the North Shore of Long Island. In a few years, with the election of our 39th president, my hometown's claim to fame will be a local joke. What do the Long Island Railroad and Jimmy Carter have in common? Both pull out of Roslyn at 7.15 in the morning. <laughs> Long Island is one big mall now, but back then there was just one mall. We were decades away from Massapequa's Joey Buttafuoco, proving you can stay married even after your girlfriend shoots off half your wife's face. From Hicksville's Billy Joel forever polluting the radio waves with We Didn't Start the Fire, and from Roslyn's own Bernie Madoff somehow distinguishing himself on an island that was already overrun with gangsters, con men, and strip club managers, most of whom, by the way, were also named Joey, Bernie, and Billy. <laughs> I was 12 years old. The summer before, I had earned a reputation as a troublemaker at Camp Kiwani in the Catskills. My plan was to spend this July and August at home, watching Met games on TV and reading Mad Magazine. When you're an adult, this is called house arrest. <laughs> when you're a 12-year-old with a stocked refrigerator, not so bad. A few days in, I lost my virginity. She was tan, had skin like leather, and four legs, because she was a couch. That's right, I had intercourse with a couch. I don't think I need to go into any further detail. This is Hollywood, and most of you have active imaginations. Now, you gotta be pretty bored to fuck a couch. My mother was probably across the street getting her hair done in Mrs. Fama's basement. May have been Raquel Welch week on the 4.30 movie. Monday, Fathom starring Tony Franciosa as a federal agent searching for a Chinese figurine. Raquel plays a woman with exceptionally large breasts. <laughs> Tuesday, 100 Rifles. Jim Brown's an Arizona lawman in an interracial romance with Raquel, a Yaki Indian with exceptionally large breasts. <laughs> Wednesday, Fantastic Voyage. Stephen Boyd, a CIA agent, is miniaturized to research a potentially fatal blood clot. Raquel, despite being miniaturized, still has exceptionally large breasts. You get the idea. Before you get all judgy, let's consider the facts. I was four feet tall and 90 pounds. My overbite was so profound that it landed me on the cover of an orthodontics magazine. And let me tell you, nothing bolsters one's sexual confidence like being a before photo. Ergo, the only convertible I was going to get lucky in was a pull-out sofa. Perhaps I took the expression, the bigger the cushion, the sweeter the pushin, a bit too literally. And when I got that feeling, I needed sectional healing. I guess you could say that the TV room was my own little Ottoman Empire. <laughs> Unless, of course, you've had quite enough of this clever wordplay. After a few days, my mother interrupted my routine of sleeping late, eating frozen pizza, and watching game shows by demanding that I find something else to do. She said she was sick of seeing me laying on the couch. 
Imagine if she knew I wasn't just laying on it, but actually, well, you already wrote the joke, but actually laying it. She used heinous adjectives like constructive and productive and made really lame suggestions like art classes at the Roslyn School of Painting. But I had another idea. In the back of comic books, next to promotions for amazing sea monkeys and x-ray specs were ads promising easy ways for kids to make money. One was by selling Grit, which called itself America's Greatest Family Newspaper. Given that I had never once seen a copy of Grit, I surmised that it was neither as popular nor as easy to market as the publisher claimed. Of course, we now know that selling periodicals as a child is a direct route to living in a van with blackout curtains and a boss named Skeeter who wipes his nose a lot and always wears long sleeve shirts. An ad for the American Seed Company of Lancaster, Pennsylvania claimed that I could make money and get prizes by hawking their fast-selling flower and vegetable seeds. The prizes included something called a Dick Tracy camera, a movie projector, and a Will Chamberlain basketball set. Now, for those of you under 50, in Wilt the Stilt's autobiography, he claimed to have sex with over 20,000 women. However, not once with a sofa. <laughs> so in your face, Wilt. <laughs> I sold 240 packs of seeds in an hour and a half, boasted Desmond Meacham in one testimonial. Based on the accompanying photo, I'd say that Desmond's sales figures may have benefited by his striking resemblance to James Earl Ray. You know, the buzz cut with the horn-rimmed glasses and a rather mercenary expression. Send no money, the ad read. We trust you. Within days, a box of American seed packets arrived. I jumped on my Schwinn Stingray with a sparkly purple banana seed and hit the sidewalks. My mother seemed just fine with this. In those days, allowing your prepubescent Willie Loman to peddle his wares door to door was simply business as usual. Stranger danger? Anal rape, mere, mere speed bumps on your child's road to riches. <laughs> the only bummer I faced, aside from the occasional granny answering the door in a beltless bathrobe, was the gradual realization that Roslyn seemed to be pretty well stocked seed-wise. Apparently some intrepid preteen beat me to the punch or there was just low demand, or perhaps, and this would be validated in my childhood, I was not a born salesman. In terms of spreading my seeds, I wasn't exactly Bill Cosby at a Playboy Mansion lingerie party. Even at, even at the low, low price of 15 cents a pack, despite Desmond Meacham's promise, it was tough to move this product. But for two months, I persevered, working the mean streets of Reed Drive, Willits Road, and Hamilton Park, like a little Dale Carnegie. By the end of August, somehow I had sold the whole box of seeds. Not five boxes, like that bullshit artist Desmond Meacham. <laughs> and grossed exactly $7.50. I reread the information in the American Seed Company's big prize book. There was not one prize I had earned enough to buy. So much for post-war prosperity. My only option was to send them $5 and keep my $2.50 commission. Granted, $2.50 went a lot further then. You could even have gotten a macchiato for $2.50 if anyone knew what the fuck a macchiato was <laughs> in 1971. But I was infuriated that I blew my summer for two and a half bucks. 
I may not have been savvy enough to get down with something that wasn't filled with down, but I considered myself way too clever to endure this level of professional injustice. So I decided to put the American Seed Company's trust to the test. I threw the whole 750 in, in, a in the box, closed it up, and set it on my Roy Rogers bookshelf, where it remained through that fall and winter. Though I fully expected to, I heard nary a peep from my employers in Lancaster, PA. In the spring, my mother talked my father into a trip to Washington, DC. She wanted to see the cherry blossoms, which seemed insane to me. We were gonna drive five hours just to see a bunch of trees. Then I realized the FBI was there, and back then you could tour it. My favorite book in the world was the FBI story. One chapter was all about a crook who wrapped rubber bands around his fingers and sliced the tips off with a razor blade. And he did this like a hundred times over five years until he completely changed his fingerprints so he could go back to stealing stuff. I mean, fuck the seed business. That was vocational planning. <laughs> I begged my parents to take me on the FBI tour. I would soon regret this decision as following displays about counterfeiting in Elliott Ness, I entered a small room empty except for a red light bulb on the wall and a sign beneath it. It read, every time a crime is committed in the United States, this bulb will flash. The color drained from my face with the realization that I was now officially a criminal. And I assumed the bulb, which flickered every couple of seconds, was connected to every police station in the country. Now that was chutzpah, showing my bucktooth mug in the mecca of US law enforcement when any day a SWAT team was gonna bust into my bedroom demanding the American seed company's dough. <laughs> my parents, unaware that a telltale heart ruling my conscience sat on my bookshelf, asked me what was wrong. So fixated was I on that bulb that they had to drag me out of the exhibit. And that five-hour drive home felt like it took five days. When we got home, I immediately sent the American seed company their commission. I guess I had finally learned right from wrong. Though, to be honest, every once in a while when I pass a furniture showroom, I do stop and look wistfully through the window. 